And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? And we're here just to share some of those insights. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. So do you have a good time in the Middle East with your turban wrapped? <laughs> uh, turban wrap. No, that wasn't no. that bad. <laughs> you don't have to wear burqas and that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Even in hardcore Arab quarters we were there you don't have to wrap up you might have to cover your shoulders and stuff but it's not that extreme it's not like you no. think oh my gosh mm -hmm. they're very friendly very happy no i felt very comfortable there um saw so many incredible things it's it's amazing so tell people where, where we went what we just got back <laughs> from i still got a little bit of jet lag but it's all good <laughs> so we went to israel our first time in israel shalom <laughs> and then we uh, crossed over into Jordan for a couple of days and did Petra. Um, so it was just, we saw all of Israel and Petra, and it was just a, a hopping trip. We saw a lot of things. We didn't Traveled up to, the, um, to Amman, Jordan, mm -hmm. saw the largest Christian church in the middle of an Arab neighborhood. Right there, you got to worship with mm -hmm. believers that were Arab, kind of mm -hmm. very, very cool, very unexpected. Yeah. Crossed back over to the Sea of Galilee, <laughs> got to go on a cruise where uh, Peter, James, and John were all called, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, you know, that classic mm -hmm. New Testament verse. Uh, we saw uh, Peter's house right there on the Sea of Galilee. That guy was a rich dude. That was a big house. You, you think he would say he's a poor fisherman? No, he was a rich <laughs> fisherman. He's left everything and follows. It's kind of an eye-opener. Jerusalem is not what you think. You know, you're reading the Old Testament. You know, King David, this is Solomon building the first temple, the second temple. Temple. You got to, to pray at the Western Wall with Orthodox. You had to touch the wall, pray next to an Orthodox Jew right there. Very cool. Uh, but you got to see the temple, the original walls, the footers. It's just amazing. But when they say Jesus walked up to uh, Jerusalem, we're talking, it's like your neighborhood in Prescott. <laughs> he just walked up the hill. That's He was across the ravine over there. So it's not, it's not as big as at least my small Western mind with vistas, you know, 100 miles to the next town. I mean, you could see Bethlehem from jerusalem it's just they didn't walk for miles and miles like going from egypt it's like they just went to just down the road eight miles or so True. so anyway just new perspective a, a, yeah different perspective and new yeah. perspective to understand things better and just and so much history is tar so hard to keep all the timelines yeah. straight of yeah what timeline we were seeing with what you know it was just crazy. they go old testament to New Testament, to Byzantine, to and they just start spouting off stuff. They're just I'm going, yeah. and each one's like a thousand years from the other. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona, I think we just turned 150 years old. <laughs> I think they're 15,000 over there or something. Anyway, but it's good to be back. Though. Definitely a trip people should take. Um, I felt very comfortable there. I felt safe. I didn't feel like I was in danger. So if people have the opportunity, they should go. Yeah. It really gives you a, a different world perspective as well. Yeah. 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 You got you. Yeah. I agree. So, <laughs> so true. I don't even know how to add and make that better. You don't. You uh, other than we could go to a garden question, see what oh, people okay. are talking locally. Because, you know, it's always good to come home. 
Yes. And we didn't lose that many plants. We always oh, we, we always think it. part of traveling is yeah. is we will lose some plants, mm -hmm. but we didn't. Mm -hmm. Didn't it was they were they were better when we got they back. Were. We picked our first tomato when we got yeah. back. It's pretty exciting. It is. It is get tomatoes yeah. this year. <laughs> well, questions. Our first question is from Amy in Prescott. She wants to know what is causing all the holes in her hostas and hookahs. She's looked around for snails, but didn't see any. Well, Amy, you might have slugs. <laughs> so snails and slugs are what cause holes in hostas. That's the most classic. I would say, no doubt, come into the garden center, get a bottle of, of snail bait, mm -hmm. snail and slug bait. We've got one that's snail and slug and some other things. Mm -hmm. So like roly polies, earwigs. There's, there's several things that can cause that. Two of the most uh, misunderstood types of insects are snail and slugs and grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. They both put holes in leaves. Grasshoppers are typically in more sunny type of plants mm -hmm. like sage, that kind of thing. Your herb gardens, they'll eat holes, but you don't see them. They're down underneath the foliage. Right. Snails and slugs, you don't see them because they're underneath the foliage and they come out at night because they're bird bait, basically. They don't want to come out when the birds are out. They're coming out when no one's there. And so you typically don't see the damage, but almost guaranteed yeah. that's what it is. You need, and you can't let it go. Get on it because they will... They'll destroy. I mean, they yeah. just, they can destroy plants, make them look terrible. <clears throat> so yeah. get on it. In the monsoon season, uh, one snail can lay a thousand eggs. Oh my goodness. So they go from one or two to, oh my gosh, where they all come from <laughs> overnight because of one slug, yeah. one snail. They're oh, terrible. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. know that. That's it. Yep. Wow. Keep an eye out for those Even fighters. Even my lovely assistant learns something every time she's on the radio with her favorite <laughs> guy. Did I help you with that? Sure. <laughs> hint, hint. So just a, a PSA. We had a customer come in today. It's first ones I've seen of the season, but blister beetle. Oh, really? They're early. Yeah. Okay. So keep an eye out for those. They're little gray. Sometimes they're gray speckled, but yeah. boy, can they defoliate. Yeah. A tree, a shrub, your garden almost instantly. You know, I wondered because there's a symbiotic relationship between blister beetles and grasshoppers. Really? And I haven't seen as many grasshoppers. What happens, I what I hear when I talk to the bug gurus, that uh, blister beetles need grasshopper eggs to kind of feed off when they're in the lar larva stage. And there's, a, there's this, when there's a lot of grasshoppers one year, typically the following year, the blister beetles are, are worse. So there's kind of this Ooh. him and haw Young, you know, feng shui. Yeah, that whole thing between those two insects. So I haven't seen that. I've seen some grasshoppers, but not like the ground is moving. But it's early for for blister. I wonder if, and this is a this is a swarm, a cloud, like biblical proportions, like in the Old Testament, clouds darken the sky and they land on your garden and they strip it clean. There's like a thousand beetles, and they're they're and then they leave. So. You kind of got to be ready for them. You don't mm -hmm. want to wait on that one because they'll strip it down in, oh, in yeah. two hours. They'll strip out the... Instantly. Yep. Yeah. So keep an eye out for them. If you see them, you want to take care of them right away. But you hear it, heard it here first. Pestilence is coming. <laughs> no, not at all. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. The show's out. We're out. <laughs> well, let's talk about Charlie. He's in Chino. Last year, he had tons of peaches and cherries. Did very well. 
this year there's nothing. Yeah, he wants to sorry. know, did he do something wrong or what happened? Charlie, you did not do anything wrong. Um, it's just that frost. We, we the, the fruit trees were, were budding out and they were actually in bloom. Some of them had fruited. So mm -hmm. some of your plums and apricots, nectarines, they'd actually fruited. And then that frost came kind of in April, whenever that last frost, it was brutal. Mm -hmm. Remember we were discussing, should we send a frost warning out to our core customers? Should we let them know? Should we warn people? I said, no. And it's too, it's like borderline. It's not, it's <laughs> not, we don't want to cry wolf. And you're going, no, it's better to let people know than not to let them go. Okay. Let it go. And then it was 19 degrees of some <laughs> ridiculous cold. And that's what took the frost that the frost or that freeze took your peaches. And so if it was in bloom, it would freeze those flowers off and then you wouldn't get a set mm -hmm. of fruit. If it had miniature fruits on it, it would freeze that fruit and then it would wither up and drop off. So it's kind of like a take a take a nice plum and put it in the freezer, let it freeze solid, bring it back out. What does it turn into? Mush. And so that's what happened on your tree. It turned all the blossoms and those fruits to mush. And Charlie, you're not the only one oh, no. all across the county. I mean, on both sides of the hill, mm -hmm. uh, Cottonwood, Camp Verde, Sedona, uh, up, up, up the, you know, S Scottsdale, no Scottsdale, Skull Valley, <laughs> Kirkland, um, all the way up to you know, Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino. They all got frosted pretty hard. It was brutal. And that's what got it. It should be a beautiful tree. Right. Just enjoy it as a shade tree this year because yeah. you ain't going to get no fruit. You're not going to be not canning or making peach cobbler yep. this year. <laughs> so that's it for this segment, folks. We'll be right back. You are tuned into The Mountain Gardener with Ken and Lisa Lane.